welcome to the curiosity of HR. Right, welcome to 2020. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, yeah, Happy New Year and a Happy New Decade. But today is the day of laughter. I decided this morning and it seems that it actually is. Yeah, but it's not a very professional start. No. Um, anyway, welcome. I hope everybody had a good Christmas and New Year and that 2020 is going to be a fantastic year for you all. So what have you been up to since the last recording? Well, uh, I've just been enjoying the holidays and uh, mm-hmm. relaxing. Yes. But I've also been looking through our uh, new microscope. Yeah, so we'll be going into that a little bit later. Um, just some of the things we found in some water over here. You might have seen it on Twitter, if you follow us on Twitter. If you don't, you should. And our username is CurieChildPod. You can also find us in all the usual podcast places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, we're now on Podcatcher, did that last night, um, Podbean and everywhere else, yeah. Stitcher. So look out for us and spread the word. And also, please, please, please do a good thing this year and review us. Yeah. So should we push on with the show then? Yep, on with the show. Father Christmas brought you a microscope, didn't he, this year? Brought us a microscope. Us a microscope, actually, yeah. Yeah. I think I've had more fun than you, actually. I love it. It's brilliant. Um, so we decided to see what we could find. First of all, we looked in some water that we found in the garden, didn't yeah. we? So some rainwater in a pot. Yeah, that I collected. Yeah. In Frogtopia. Yeah, Frogtopia. Because we had a frog in the summer? Yeah. Or was it in the spring? I'm pretty sure it was in the spring, actually. Yeah, so we made a little home for him. Actually, he lived in the house for a couple of days, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and then we also went to one of the local parks here, Sunrays Park. Yeah. Which we'll probably be covering in Guernsey Greats at some point. Yeah. yeah it's got that name. Um, and there's a dock pond there, so we sneakily borrowed some water, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to know a secret? What? Uh, <sighs> don't tell anybody. What sort of things did we find in the water then? Well, the first thing we found was a sort of living algae type thing. And it is called a protozoa. It was amazing, actually, just how many things we found. So when we first looked through the microscope, it's like, there's nothing there. And I think once your eyes adjust and you know what you're looking for, it's amazing how much stuff is just swimming around there. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some protozoa. And they've got little uh, kind of... Whips? Whips, yeah, which they can control coming out of their mouth called uh, flagella um, then they can use those I think they use them for hunting a little bit to try and capture things and maybe to help propel them round yeah like a cowboy with a lasso <laughs> yeah what's they look like well <laughs> they're green and they look a little bit like bogies as well <laughs> mm, nice bogies good for you um, they've got a red eye as well and maybe not the actual eye itself, but it's kind of like a lens which helps direct the light into their kind of light-sensing organ. Yeah, like you said, it's a lens, but it makes sure that the light from only one direction actually gets in. Okay, Harry and um, all the other yeah. One Direction lads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, they're actually green, aren't they, a lot of them? And that's because yeah. they photosynthesise. And do you know what that means? Um, it's like um, plants their leaves turn sunlight into food or nutrient. Yeah, so they've got chloroplasts in them which help convert the sun's energy into yeah. food. That's right. 
I think I saw another little creature in there, um, a another protozoa, and I lost it. It's it's quite hard to find, but it looked like it had this long whipping arm and a spring tail because it could attach itself to some of the leaflets or something in the water. And it kind of fired itself out with its spring tail and used its whipping arm to grab things and pull it into like a, a cone-shaped head. So it's a little awesome. bit like a um, like a slingshot, in a way. It pull, pulls itself yeah. back and then it fires. Yeah, more like a spring. A spring shot. <laughs> spring <laughs> shot. That's what they should be called. Right, now we also found some of these chaps. What are they called? And what do they look like? Um... They're Heliozoans. Yeah, Heliozoans. Now, do you know what Helio is or Helios? Um, no. I think, was it a Greek god? I think so. And they're called that because what do they look like? Uh, they do look a little bit like the sun. They're circular and they've got lots of uh, sort of hairs coming out of them which look like rays of sunlight, yeah. don't they? Yeah. We also saw lots of algae, didn't we? Yeah. Now, what do they do to the water? There's lots of them in the water. Um, they turn it bright green. Yeah, and that's one of the things we first noticed, because we took two samples of water from the dock pond. Yeah. Um, and the first one was, looks pretty clear, but the second one, green, wasn't it? Yeah. You spotted that straight away. Then we also saw some kind of star-shaped things, which at first I thought might have been pollen, maybe. Perhaps actually pollen's smaller than that, so I might be wrong. So what what do you now think they are? Uh, a some sort of desmus. Yeah, desmus. So um, there's one that we found, which we think it could be a pediostrum, um, and they they're really pretty actually, aren't they? Yeah, and I see uh, it says pediostrum, and in the middle there's sort of like a almost star shape. Made of peas, and on the outside, it's, <laughs> it's lots of um, lots of cones around it. Yeah, if you look on our Twitter, you'll see some pictures of what we found. They look like stars, or almost like a snowflake. <laughs> but probably some of the most exciting things we found were the rotifers, weren't they? So, yeah, there's a good video actually that we took of the rotifers. Yeah, we were really, really excited when we saw our first one. It was we were screaming. It was <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come and have a look. Look at this. <laughs> it was amazing. So they're actually very small creatures and creatures. creatures. So how many cells do they have in their body? Um, just under a thousand or less than a thousand. Yeah, but they're really tiny. So they actually might be smaller than some single-celled organisms. And why are they called rotifers? Their head is almost like prepared as sucking stuff in. Yeah, I can remember what it's called. They've got hair-type things, haven't they? Can remember what those are called? Cilia? Yeah, so they've got cilia. So they're small hair-like things. And what do they do? They uh, spin round or rotate. Yeah, they're like little propellers. And what do they use them for? Sucking the water in and filtering the water. But mm -hmm. uh, it's like sucking food in. And actually, we saw prob I think it was the algae he was yeah. trying to eat, but um, he couldn't quite get it in. It just started spinning around, but it couldn't, he couldn't quite mm -hmm. get it in his mouth. I think we'll, we've put that on the Twitter. Yeah, we have. As well. It's amazing, actually. You can see... Um, under the microscope, how the water's being channeled. You can actually see it flowing yeah. towards them into their mouths when they're kind of feeding and hunting. That's why they get their name rotifers, because they've got these rotating little kind of um, hairs. And they can also use them like propellers to propel themselves along. <laughs> now, the ones we saw um, near their bottom, I don't know <laughs> if it really is their bottom, but at the other end they've got like a foot 
with a claw which they can use to grab hold of things so they'll attach themselves to um maybe a bit of plant yeah. or maybe a bit of rock or something and then they can kind of wave there in the water whilst they're hunting and I actually saw one kind of grab hold of it you saw it's it's claw kind of clamp uh, yeah clamp yeah. on exactly yeah it's really cool at the other end yes <laughs> um then we also saw what we think is a well it's another type of rotifer and it's the mitellini rotifer yeah now these are really cool i thought they looked a little bit like um a manta ray or something yeah Yeah. they swim around quite fast it's sort of got horns as well Mm -hmm. and we had lots of these swimming around but it's actually hard to find what they were when we were looking them up yeah um until we searched for horns (laughs) yeah they also remind me a little bit of mermaids' purses. Do you know what they are? I've seen you before down the no. beach. They are some dogfish. It's the egg sacs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they're sort of yellowy, aren't they? Well, they can be dark brown when they dry out. So the shape of those is very similar to the rotifers that we found. Yeah. And then one final thing that we found was the... Nematode. Yeah, and what are nematodes? Well, to get this straight, they're not a type of toad. They're a bit like earthworms, but they're yeah, little, they're, they're little, yeah. um, let's just call them waterworms. <laughs> yeah, well, like you're saying, they live in water and also in soil, and they can also be... Parasites. Yeah, so you might have some nematodes inside you. Oh. It's pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah, and their, their body isn't that flexible, and it's quite hard as well. That was our first hunting in water, I was amazed how much we found, actually. So I thought maybe in winter it might be a bit cold for yeah. the life there. So I think it dies back a bit. So in summer we'll definitely find more. And we're, oh. also, we're going to go down the beach army and get some salt water and mm-hmm. maybe some little crustaceans in there. And our aim is to find our water bear as well. Yes, a tardigrad. Tardigrad. Yeah, I, and I want to find yeah. a hydra. Is they're meant to be immortal. I'm actually amazed. I could spend hours... Um, you did just, spend hours. I did actually, <laughs> yeah. Just exploring... Um, just a few square centimetres yeah. of water. But yes. There's so much in there. What it reminded me of, though, and this is really weird, because when you've got lots of the creatures there, and with the microscope you can focus at different depths, so you can kind of look through the water, and because you've got all these uh, different amoeba and things going in all different directions, it looked like when you see a futuristic film and they've got flying cars in a city, yeah, and how they're all going in different directions. It made me think of that. Yeah. And that leads us nicely onto our next feature. The future. The future. Okay, it's 2020, and to me that sounds really futuristic. When I was your age, 2020 was so distant um, that kind of how I imagined the world was much more futuristic than it is now. Yeah, that's strange, because we have progressed very quickly as well. Yeah, and lots of the changes that have happened were not maybe what people predicted. Um, But then people are always trying to guess what the future holds, kind of what new inventions there will be, what science, what technology will come about. As to say, in the 1920s or 1950s or something, there'd be amazing predictions. The world is going to be this amazing futuristic place with flying cars and mega cities and stuff like that which hasn't quite happened has it no <laughs> so what i want to do is go into some predictions that people made in the past for what today would be like 
Yeah. But before I do with that, I want to kind of know what sort of predictions do you have for the future? Well, three ways that the world will end. <laughs> okay. The first one is that the world is just going to end, turn into like Mars, because Mars had signs of water on there. And mm-hmm. if you want to know more what I'm talking about, go on to the BBC iPlayer. Uh, there's a programme called The Planets. It's series mm-hmm. one, episode two. <laughs> Number two is that humans are going to kill every single other living thing in the world, or maybe not bacteria, but uh, yeah. like fish, the monkeys, the giraffes, the elephants. The last one is that there's going to be a big World War Three. So you've got a pretty dark view of the future then. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is the world's going to end. Well, one day it will. Hopefully not in any of those really dramatic ways you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty scary. Okay, um... Now that you've put such a downer on the future, let's look at some of the utopian ideas that people used to have about how the world might change, shall we? Yeah. Okay, so when Gramps was growing up, I guess the main hype would have been around space back then, and kind of missions to the moon and missions to the Mars, uh, flying cars and mega cities, and it's kind of the power of the machine and industry. So it would have been um, before like the computer age that we're in now. And few people actually predicted the computing revolution, particularly things like mobile phones. Um, something that we've got in our pocket that we can take photos with, we can communicate with anybody all over the world with, we can translate languages, we can discover anything. Yeah. They can take more computing power than what was used to send people to the moon. In fact, in 1943, Thomas Watson, who was president of IBM, so the big computer company, yeah? Yeah. He famously said, I think there's a world market for maybe five computers. <laughs> That's not many, is it? We've got more computers than that in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so let's look at some funny predictions. 1900. There will be no C, X or Q. John Elfren Watkins Jr. Ladies Home Journal. Mr. Watkins, he predicted that we'd start to spell words phonetically. That meant we could get rid of additional letters. So you, if you think C is covered by S and K, yeah. so you've got circle, you could use an S. Or class, you could use a K. He also thought that language would be simplified and condensed. And this has kind of happened with texting. Lols. <laughs> it's not that funny, right? Um, but I, I actually think that changing spelling is difficult. Think about today, there's more things are written than ever. And also computers are going to be doing um, a lot of the spell checking for us. So people yeah. don't have to remember how to spell so much. But... Um... He was sort of right, because it was like Old English, and um, the language progressed. He knew that that was going to happen, but obviously letters didn't just disappear out of the alphabet. (laughs) Yeah, language is a living language, it's always evolving. But then between the 14 and 1700s, there was what was called the Great Vowel Shift in the English language, and that's when the um, sounds of the vowels changed, but the spelling didn't, which is why a lot of um, English words aren't phonetically spelt. Yeah. And I've got some examples here, which I'm going to play to you. So this is the word bite, and this is going from 1400 to 1900 in the pronunciation, okay? Yeah. So if you listen to how it's changed. Beat, bait, bait, bite. So it starts off beat and ended as bite. Yeah. So the I 
today used to be an E sound. We've got another one here. So this is the word mate. Mart. Met. Mate. So it's mart. And that's mate. <laughs> Let's do one more. It's got boat here. Yeah? Boat. 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 Boot. The boat. It's yeah. quite subtle, that one. But if you think those were major changes to the whole way the language sounded. On to the next prediction. 1911. Man might become a one-toed race. Richard Clement Lucas. This was given during a lecture to the Royal College of Surgeons. And he called the outer toes useless. I don't think he realised quite how important they are to our sense of balance. So you could lose some of your toes, but you'd be walking oddly. And I think people have always wanted their toes. Yeah? yeah. Because the world's oldest known prosthetic limb was a wooden toe, which was worn by an Egyptian lady more than 3,000 years ago. Wow. It's pretty cool. 1923. Flying cars. Henry Ford. So you know Henry Ford? Yeah. Yeah. Ford. Yeah, of Ford fame. Yeah. So he actually started designing such cars in 1923. And I think it would have led to more accidents than yeah. <laughs> anything. Mm -hmm. But I think that maybe with modern drones and computers, we might have something that sort of resembles a flying car one day. So if you think how well they can hover and manoeuvre, and yeah. then computers are, they can be used to keep it steady in the air. So I don't think we'd fly them ourselves. But um, I think it's in Dubai. The police have started making flying cars, and it's like a big drone. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. But they have supercars and things for their police cars over there, <laughs> yeah. don't they? So here's a picture of one here, and it does look just like a little stubby plane, doesn't it? Yeah. Now Ford said, Mark my words, a combination of aeroplane and motor car is coming. You may smile, but it will come. And then I found another prediction similar to this, which was uh, in 1951. Um, it says that intelligent apes would be preferable to robots when it came to driving cars and would play a role in reducing accidents. Yeah. So could you imagine, I know, a monkey or a gorilla or something um, flying your, your, your car for you? And is that safer than a computer? I don't think monkey pilots are going to be very good at all. No. <laughs> the only thing they're going to be good at is spreading a disease, maybe, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like swing through the trees, though. <laughs> 1937. Alcohol will replace caffeine and tobacco. Nikolai Tesla. Sorry about the accent there. Now, do you know who Tesla was? No. Oh, um, I think there's a car manufacturer. Yeah, the Elon Musk. Yeah, so that's going to be inspired by it. He was um, an amazing inventor, very interesting guy, and came up with lots of incredible ideas. Um, now, when he died in 1943, the US government seized his documents. I think they did that illegally, actually. And Donald Trump's uncle, John G. Trump was one of the FBI agents who was tasked with examining what was in them because they wanted to know kind of what he had been working on. And supposedly it was said that Tesla had been working on a death ray. I think that reminds me about the Greek guy. He made a giant mirror or he was going to make a giant mirror to reflect the sun and then make sunbeams. Yeah, that was Archimedes. Yeah. Going back to Tesla, he said of coffee and alcohol, Within a century, coffee, tea and tobacco will no longer be in vogue. Alcohol will still be used. It is not a stimulant, but is a veritable elixir of life. So I think what that's saying is he liked to drink. Yay! <laughs> Yay! You're not old enough to drink. <laughs> okay, on to 1950. 
Now, this was from um, a Popular Mechanics article. And they said that people would wash their homes with a hose. <laughs> so we've got a picture here of a lady spraying her furniture with a hose. And it's all bubbly there. And it says, because everything in her home is waterproof, the housewife of 2000 can do her daily cleaning with a hose. So everything in your home would be made out of plastics or synthetic fibres. So they'd be simple to clean with a detergent and then you'd just spray them down with water. Then in the middle of the room, there'd be a drain, which you'd kind of hide with the mat or something, um, which would collect all the water. Then once you sprayed everything down, uh, you would then blow hot air through the room like a big hairdryer to dry everything out. Yeah. But yeah, really easy. Not happening. <laughs> no. <laughs> but what about things like tablecloths and napkins? Well, they'll be made of a special paper. Families of the future could simply burn them. Or better yet, chemical factories will buy them and also your used underwear from you. And they would convert the wood pulp into sugary foods so they could use them in sweets and things. And that's why chocolate's brown. Yeah. Maybe e-numbers as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we covered in an earlier episode. But if all of that seems like too much effort, why not get plates that melt in hot water? So housewives in 50 years may wash dirty dishes right down the drain. And it doesn't sound particularly good, does it? Washing more plastic particles into the seas. Yeah. They're, they're sort of getting the idea of plastic pollution, <laughs> in a way. Now, another interesting thing to note here is the view of women in the 1950s, very much as the housewife. Mm. Doing all the domestic chores and things, it's um, less kind of even and equal than it is today. Yeah. So you can see that things have progressed since the 1950s. Just in the interest of balance, that same article also predicted that in the future, televisions would be connected to the telephone network, allowing people to make video calls to distant friends and family. And that's kind of happened, hasn't it? Yeah. 1955. Nuclear-powered vacuum cleaners will probably be a reality within 10 years. <laughs> now, I don't remember seeing any of those. No. So this was... Alex Lewitt, president of Lewitt Vacuum Company. Now, this prediction would be made before we probably fully understood some of the dangers of nuclear radiation. And it was seen as the power of the future and would be in every home. Now, going on to some more radioactive things. Um, in the 1920s, um, you could get glow-in-the-dark paint and it contained radium. And they'd use it on watch faces. So I've got a picture here. Uh, so they would paint the dials and the hands and things so you could look at your watch in the dark and you'll be able to see what the time was. Yeah, I've actually got um, a little clock mm -hmm. like that. I think well. it's probably using something different these days. Yeah. I... So I've got an old advert here. It says, the power of radium at your disposal. 23 years ago, radium was unknown. Today, thanks to constant laboratory work, the power of this most unusual of elements is at your disposal. Through the medium of on dark, radium serves you safely and surely. Yeah, definitely safely. Yeah, it wasn't so safe though. Radium girls, they'd be asked when they're painting to um, put the paintbrush in their mouth just to point it. You know how we do when we're painting. Yeah. Um, just to make the bristles nice and precise yeah. and sharp. And sometimes they'd even paint their nails and their teeth with it. Unfortunately, that meant that they were ingesting dangerous levels of radium and many of them became sick or died from radiation poisoning. But they've been told that this paint was totally safe to use. Okay, 1964, Rand Corporation. By 1980, we'd have robots doing housework for us. Well, we do have the robot vacuum cleaners now. 
Yeah. A few years late. And a military force would be on the moon by 1999. <laughs> now, when this prediction was made, it would have been during the Cold War. Yeah. So that's probably why they thought a military force would be on the moon. Which is mm. maybe your future prediction there. Yeah. And that's dun, what they're trying to Yeah, that's what they tried to do. And then they wouldn't be affected by nuclear bombs. No. I wonder if they're easier to deflect in a low gravity environment as mm, well. Yeah. Unless there's aliens on the moon. Mm-hmm. Supposedly there are on the far side. Okay, nineteen seventy seven. There's no reason for anyone to want a computer in their home. Ken Olson. Founder of Digital Equipment Corporation. So, do you want a computer in your home? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little did he know that four years later, in 1981, um, IBM would release their first PC, and that would be the true beginning of kind of the personal computer age. Yeah. And on the first day that the PC was released, they had over 40,000 orders. That's a lot. It's, f- it's funny. No one would want a computer in their home. Everyone's got a phone in their pocket. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's the same IBM who said there was a world need for only five computers not long earlier. Yeah. <laughs> 1995. Almost all of the many predictions now being made about 1996 hinge on the internet's continuing exponential growth. But I predict the internet will soon go spectacularly supernova and, in 1996, catastrophically collapse. Robert Meltkauf, founder of 3Com. So he predicted that the internet would disappear. Yeah, that's never, ever going to happen. If anything, it's rising up. Well, it is all the time, yeah. yeah. More and more things, and it's expanding. I mean, we're watching TV over the internet, we're communicating with people, we're downloading everything, we're Facebook, Twitter. Playing games. Playing games, all these things, yeah. I mean, that's what made the smartphones revolution possible really is yeah. that interconnectedness then also the internet of things coming where every device in your home will be connected to the internet like your fridge will know when you put food in there and tell you when it's going yeah. out of date and things your t-shirt will have little computers that you can get tracked by yeah and also to help you when you're washing it so it'll talk to your washing machine and get the correct wash cycle on yeah and your car's radio someone can control that mm-hmm. crash your car and of course they'll all send spam email he was so confident with his prediction that he promised to eat his own words if he was wrong. And he duly did this in 1999 when got a copy of the article, blended it up in some liquid. Yeah. They don't say what type of liquids. So I think rather than water, it's probably something stronger. He was, he was so embarrassed and he drank it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got a few more predictions here. 2005. Computers will be conscious with superhuman intelligence. Ian Pearson, who's a futurologist. They also thought that computers would have taken over most of the physical work by now, and they'd even have emotions. And uh, Pearson said, If I'm on an aeroplane, I want the computer to be more terrified of crashing than I am, so it does everything it can to stay in the air. (laughs) Now, I'm not sure that's a good idea, myself. So I think... Be panicking. Exactly, it'll panic and it'll crash. But surely you want something unemotional, which can just sense its altitude. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna crash! Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> so I'm not sure that's the correct yeah. design philosophy. And I would be saying, please help me. <laughs> please put all, do all the safety things about eleven hours too early. Yeah, I'm scared of flying. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even take a all. I'm scared of heights. <laughs> 
Okay, so actually that 1950s Poplar Mechanics article, and um, that started with the story of a fictional futuristic city, and at its centre was an airport. Um, so that and there's also massive amounts of construction around, of super roads that are full of vehicles, and the, there'd be two tiers high. So that the top ones would be domestic traffic, and the the bottom ones would be industrial and commercial traffic. Um, then also houses were built to last no longer than 25 years, and they'd just be continually replaced. Um, then there'd be chemicals used for all this cleaning, and there'd be plastics everywhere. So there's a picture here of kind of that future city. Then out in the suburbs, though, you'd have like. Um, nice kind of green areas surrounding the houses and trees and things. But interestingly, it did have some predictions on the future where they're saying that burning coal would be illegal and in hot countries, solar power would be the choice for generating electricity. So not even nuclear power. So you can see some kind of good environmental concerns there. Uh, so it's quite an interesting mix. And you've got to remember that these predictions, they can only be um, made based on people's current knowledge and understanding of the world, which is why very few people kind of predicted the mobile phone and computing yeah. um, back then. So there's an understanding that maybe coal was bad, but maybe less so plastics. Um, although, to be fair to that article, they said that some of them would be made um, kind of from waste plant material. Yeah. Which actually I was reading Scientific America, I think, and there was an article in there about the top trends of 2019, and one of them was bioplastics, so they can biodegrade. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I found missing from there, there's nothing kind of natural about the environment. There's no wood and there's no stone. And there's probably no bacteria <laughs> because they've been killing all this stuff, these chemicals and these uh, kind of really inorganic surfaces where it struggles to live. Um, it's going to remember bacteria isn't as evil as people like to say half the time. It's really important for yeah. our health. If we didn't have bacteria, actually that's number four of how the world will end. Bacteria will die mm -hmm. so will we yeah um so i think that a lot of these predictions they maybe didn't have the right balance there yeah, they were maybe these amazing great big bold ideas but i think they missed something human about it the same with a lot of the computing revolution i think it's starting to almost lose something human yeah uh, they also kind of make you wonder about maybe some of the things we're doing today with modern technology do we fully understand it yet yeah. And what sort of future is that leading us to? Yeah, like in some games, there's like um, droids and robots mm -hmm. becoming evil and rebelling. Yeah, well, it could be if machines become conscious, do they then need to start having their own rights? Yeah, and probably. Can they properly become conscious? Because with artificial intelligence, um, there's lots of experiments where they try to get them to write music or create pictures and things. But then a lot of that is through machine learning, where they've only they've had an input from lots of existing, say, music, and they've used that to try and create a new song. Can they be truly creative? I mean, can they come up with a new idea or can they just reinterpret existing ones? Which could argue that's what all, all music is or creativity is. We're getting slightly off topic here. <laughs> um, but I wanted to finish this with... Um, predictions of the future because there's lots of things about plastic there and I just wanted to mention somebody who I found this year who is my 2019 person of the year in the first annual Curiosity of a Child person of the year awards <laughs> and this is a young man from the Netherlands who's studied engineering and he's called Boyan Slat he's also the founder of the Ocean Cleanup and this is relevant to what we're talking about before with the plastics and you know that uh, waste plastics in rivers and the sea is it's a major problem and it's brilliant what he's doing. He's created 
different vessels for rivers and also um, machines that travel the oceans collecting waste plastic. And I think it's brilliant because he's actually trying to change the planet. So he's not just talking about action or saying people need to change, he's genuinely doing it. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic. My favourite person is you. Ah, because thanks. you've helped me start the podcast. Uh, you spoke about getting the microscope uh, and you just helped me. Well, I just believe that everybody should be curious. Because particularly if you're trying to predict the future, or even better, if you want to change the future, you need to understand the past and the current to be able to form the best future. And you only do that through knowledge and staying curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, thank you for listening to another episode of Curiosity of a Child. I hope you enjoyed it. And do you have any predictions for the future? Or what did you think of the ones that we covered today? Please contact us on Twitter at CurieChildPod. Yeah. And we'll be excited to um, hear your different things. And maybe even if um, we might even almost rate what our favourite one was. Yeah, well, here's a good idea. Why don't you write your prediction in a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts? Yeah, or... review. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I'm winking. Well, no, you're blinking. No, it's Trying just my wink. left eye. My right, okay, my right end, which, oh, that's very good. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Enjoy your start to 2020. Mm-hmm. Adios, amigos. Bye. Yanipani Maya. Um, Espanola. Welcome to... Be curious. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.